one of us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Step Right with Lynn. I'm Lynn Wedham, and I'm your host for today. Uh, I've been working in the financial planning industry for over 15 years. I love working with people and helping them get what they want. Uh, I'm always excited to meet new people, so if you'd like to chat, I'm here for you. Uh, feel free to join our online chat today. That's at a to zen.fm. That's on the website. Go to chat and sign in there. Uh, by telephone, that would be 613-800-8736. That's 613-800-8736. Uh, if you uh, join us today or uh, send me uh, an email afterwards uh, with any comments or questions, I would love to send you a copy of the children's book, Have You Filled a Bucket Today? It's a lovely book explaining how doing things for others makes us happy too. Uh, you can contact me anytime by email at lynn at stepright.ca, that's L-Y-N-N, at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. Our show today is called, Is Your Mind Making You Poor? Our guest is Renata Donovan. What do athletes, surgeons, and successful money strategists all have in common? They have the ability to focus their minds with laser precision. Your thoughts and fears about money and wealth might be keeping you poor. Counseling hypnotist and personal coach Renata Donovan shares tips and strategies on how to harness your subconscious mind, overcome limiting beliefs about money, and create your abundance consciousness. Renata Donovan took her first coaching training in the winter of 2003 and has been coaching in some capacity ever since. She's a certified executive coach from the Royal Roads University and an active member of the International Coach Federation, that's the ICF. She is currently completing an additional certification in Integral Coaching through Integral Coaching Canada, the only Integral Coaching program officially recognized by the Integral Institute. That's a lot of Integral. She's also completing her Associate Certified Coach credentials with ICF. Renata is a clinical hypnotist certified through the International Medical Dental Hypnotherapy Association, uh, which has one of the highest requirements for hypnotherapy in Canada. In addition, Renata has a master's degree in leadership and has over 20 years' experience as a facilitator and educator in the human potential field. Renata has worked with individuals and teams in Canada and the United States. More recently, she's moved into the areas of writing and public speaking. Her passions are learning theory, the development of human consciousness, and neuroplasticity, uh, which is how the brain physically changes as we learn. 
In her spare time, she can usually be found somewhere taking some course or reading some book on human potential and development. Warning! Renata is passionately enthusiastic about hypnotherapy and coaching. So if you ask her, she'll talk to you about them, sometimes for hours. And that's because Renata has found what she's passionate about. And we're all so interested in helping find their passions on Step Right with Lynn. Hi, Renata. Hello. I, I think, Lynn, you could just easily sum up my bio as she's a geek. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, geeks are cool now. They are. Geeks yeah, are cool. Yeah, yeah, geeks can be cool <laughs> now. Yeah, so welcome to Step Right with Lynn. Thank um, you. Where, nice to be where, here. Where are you calling from, Renata? Cambridge, Ontario. Are you in Cambridge today? I'm in Cambridge uh-huh. today. My office is normally in Kitchener, but I'm at home today in Cambridge. So. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so you haven't been out driving today. Know what Not a nice, yet. sunny day it is today. So our topic today is, uh, is your mind making you poor? Um Tell me, Renata, what do you mean by that? How can your mind make you poor? Well, if you think about the old iceberg analogy, that 10% of the iceberg is above the water and 90% is below, the mind works a lot like that. We're actually only aware of that 10% above the water and 90% is running in the background. And I love that analogy because the Titanic was sunk by the 90% of the iceberg that was below the water. And we get sunk by our unconscious minds all of the time. And there are often beliefs or strategies or patterns of behavior in that 90% that run outside of awareness that actually sabotage us or create patterns that are ineffective. And our five senses take in 2 million bits of information per second. And some researchers even estimate it's as high as 200 million bits of information a second It's not possible for us to consciously attend to all that information, so we filter it, and we get it down to seven plus or minus two, which is a lot of missing information. And then from that seven bits, we have an emotional response. From the emotional response, we create a perception, and from the perception, we create a behavior. And all of that runs outside of awareness in that 90% that's below the water, So if we have something trapped down there that says money is bad or I can't make money or it's so hard to make money or whatever the belief money is, the root of all evil, whatever the beliefs happen to be, it's going to operate underneath, outside of awareness and sabotage our ability to have wealth, whether it's financial wealth or any other type of wealth in our life. So 200 bits of information per second and we're only... Two million bits of information. Two, two, mili- two million. Two million. Two million. Two million bits of information per second. And we, we only deal with seven? Seven plus or minus two. So five to nine. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot of missing information. Right. So it's a wonder we can deal with our world at all. <laughs> We're missing that much. Well, I'm fond of saying it's not that there's no such thing as reality. It's that there's 
infinite numbers of realities depending on which seven bits you were paying attention to. And, and a really great example is if you went to an event, say it was a family reunion, and later you're telling a story about this is what happened, and somebody else in the family says, that's not what happened, this happened. And it sounds like you were at two completely different events. It's because you were attending to seven different bits of information. Hmm. And that can happen around money all the time. Some people will tell you money is really easy to make. Other people will tell you money is really difficult to make. Entirely depends on where they're focusing, which seven bits, which is set up by the filter system in that 90 that's under the water that we can't, it's outside of awareness. Okay. So how do we know what what messages and what, what beliefs that we have and, and what's going on there? I, I've i noticed kind of over time that our beliefs, and this is about anything, not just money, but we can make it specific to money in a moment. There's kind of two general categories that people's beliefs fall into. The first one is the beliefs about themselves. So what am I personally capable of? And then the second set is about the world and how it works. So in this case, beliefs about money. Okay. So the beliefs about ourselves might be things like, I'm not capable of making money. I don't deserve money. I'm not lovable enough. I'm not good enough. I don't have the right skills. I don't have the right education. Um, I'm, not, I'm too old. I'm too young. Whatever it happens to be that we think is getting in the way. And then the beliefs about how the world works or how money works itself would be things like the economy is bad. Uh, people don't want to spend money for this thing. Money is hard to make. Rich people are bad people. Um, money doesn't grow on trees. Give me a few that you grew up with that you heard. Oh, um, as far as money, money is not something you talk about. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, money, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not something it. you should care too much about. If you look like you care too much about money, there's something wrong with you. Right, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that would be... Yeah, or um What or do you hear from your clients? <laughs> oh, a, a lot of those some of those things about uh um certainly those things about the market and fear sometimes. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes there's a a lot of fear around money. Um am I doing it right? Um you know, this the thought that there's one way to do things and I'm missing it. I don't know the secret, you know, that there's a mm -hmm, secret that mm -hmm. people should know. Um, uh, our producer here, she says money is evil. Yeah. There's a good one. That's a great one. That's yeah. a great one. And, you know, if we have, if we also have a belief that says I have to be a good human being, I must be good. Because we get, mm -hmm. and we certainly, most of us are raised to be good people. Most people want to be good people. And we have a belief that money is bad or rich people are bad, then part of our mind is set up to protect. Well, actually, both parts, the conscious and the unconscious, are both set up to protect us. So if money is bad and we must be a good person, neither the conscious or the unconscious can allow us to be rich until we've reconciled that money doesn't make you bad at all. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. That could be going on. That's a big one for people. If money is bad and you need to be good, you want to be a good human being, then you can't be rich. I see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a really good one to root out, I think. Right, right. Um, what What about the belief you can't have it all? 
I think that falls into the personal beliefs, the ones about self, which also run into self-esteem. And self-esteem plays a big role in how much we have of anything in our life, not just money. And it was actually, I think it was Dan Millman's book I read many, many years ago, and he had a great exercise in it where he said, on a scale of zero to 100, rate how much of what you want you, that you currently have in your life. So when you think of all the things you want in your life, do you have 60% of it, do you have 40% of it, do you have 35% of it, whatever. And then once you have that ranked, take the same zero to 100 scale, and with 100 being 100% and zero being none, where would you rank your self-esteem? And what's amazing about that exercise is most people, for most people, those numbers are the same. If they have 60% of what they want in their oh. life, their self-esteem is at 60%. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, that's an interesting thought. So, One of the things that often, uh, with the whole law of attraction stuff that's so powerful out there right now, and I was actually going to talk about affirmations a little bit later, but one of the things that the law of attraction people don't talk about that I think is really crucial in terms of financial wealth, well, everything actually, is that whatever we're intending, whatever our goal is, whatever we're working to bring into our life, it gets filtered through the self-concept. So if the self-concepts or our identity, who we are, what it's okay for us to have or not have, whatever that is, we're going to filter our goal that we're intending through that. So you'll often hear people say, but I was doing my affirmation. I got this weird thing in response. I, I never intended this. But what happened is they, they were pull, doing all their affirmations, doing all their intending, doing their actions, taking the steps they were supposed to take. But something encoded under that 90% under the water, that subconscious mind, believed whatever the belief was about not being good enough or not don't have enough knowledge the secret I'm missing, whatever it is, kind of twisted it when it went through the filter of the self-worth. And then we end up with this thing that we look at that we go, I don't think I was intending this. But it's what we got because it gets filtered through our perceptions of what we're allowed to have. Did that make sense? If it didn't make sense, tell me. I'll find another way to explain it. (laughs) Well, um, yes, I think think it does make sense. we've we filter things through um we make it happen the way we believe it is but we may not not even maybe on a conscious level i think is is what you're saying um yes we may in fact i think you nailed the languaging right there we make it happen the way we believe it is but we may not be fully aware of what we believe it is because it's operating in that background in the subconscious mind right so so mm-hmm. how do we really know what our beliefs are if if we're not conscious of them? How do we know well, what they are? We and and then what do we do about it? That, that those are both great questions. There's a an expression I heard many years ago, behavior is the real truth. You'll always know what you believe about something by how you behave and what you're doing or not doing in your life or what you're avoiding or seeking out. So there's always there's always telltale signs, but 
this is a really easy exercise that I use all the time in my own practice and I use all the time for me. And if, I don't know if you have a piece of paper or a pen handy. Just take yeah. a moment. Normally when I do this with clients, I have them write out like 10 to 20 beliefs. But just for time, quickly jot down, you know, three to five of your kind of top goals. And just let me know when you got them. Kind of give everybody a chance, everybody listening a chance to kind of jot down three to five goals. Okay. And then after the show is over, they can they can do this this ten or twenty goals. Sure. And and so what in what areas um, should these goals be? They can what be any we... goal you have in your life. So since we're talking about finances specifically, there can be some financial goals. There might be a health goal, relationship goal, personal mm-hmm. interest goal. So it might be have better communication in my relationship, spend more time with my kids, meditate every day. Um, put this much money in an RFP every year, retire at this age, change okay. my career, whatever it is. All right. And then do you have you have three to five? Yeah. Okay, perfect. And then start with the first one. And on a scale of zero to ten, zero being none and ten being 100%, how possible does that goal feel? Okay. And just do that for all of them. Okay. And what happens when we have a big list is, like that's why we usually do it with 10 to 20, is there will be some of those goals that feel quite doable. Yeah, I know I can get that. It's an 8 or a 9. It might even be a 10 out of 10. And then there will be some goals that feel almost impossible. And they might be a 2 or 3 or 4 or even even lower sometimes. They'll kind of be all over the map. Where that number is tells you that there's a lot of limiting beliefs about that goal. Okay? Okay. So right off the bat. So if there is a goal that's down, if you have a goal on there that was down low, then you could start thinking about why, here's the question, why is this goal ranked at two or three? What do I think is going to stop me? And as you start listing all the things that are going to stop you, it's the economy's bad, I don't have enough education, um, nobody will buy it from me, whatever it is, those are good hints as to what those limiting beliefs are that have been caught. Okay. And then you so can, you can like tell pretty easily. Sorry? Yeah, so, sounds like it's a lot of work. Okay. To, to, to list all these things and really uh, figure out what the uh, what all the limiting beliefs are, right? Around each thing takes some time to do. Well, it may take you a good fifteen or twenty minutes. You grab a coffee and sit down and look at the right. the flip side is you can take fifteen minutes and figure it out, or spend the rest of your life at the effect of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> you know. I well, saw a thing we're on about Facebook ready today to, that's yeah, yeah, a, li- a lifetime or or a number of years anyway. We're about ready to go to break, Renata, and uh, so when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, identifying these beliefs and then what are we going to do about it. Absolutely. So we're ready to go to break for break now. And... Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. 
Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. We're back. Uh, this is Upright with Lynn, and we are... Uh, Talking today with Renata Donovan. Remember, we'd love to have you join in the conversation today. Uh, our topic is: Is your mind making you poor? Uh, the number in Canada is six one three eight hundred eight seven three six, or join the online chat by going going to the a to zen dot fm website. Click on chat in the main menu and uh, type in your first name or nickname and click on log in. Um, like to remind you that if you're involved in an upcoming fundraising activity, I'd be glad to mention it on the show. Uh, email me at lynn at stepright.ca. So the show today is called, Is Your Mind Making Your You Poor? I'm speaking with Renata Donovan. And we've been discussing limiting beliefs that we may not even be aware that we have and how that may affect our um, our ability to achieve what we want and also um, how it may affect our behaviors uh, as well. So, Renata, um, you've begun to tell us how to know what our beliefs are. Did you have anything more to to uh, to add before we talk about how to change them? Renata? Oh, sorry. I thought I had unmuted, but I hadn't. Uh, oh. Yes. There's oh, we've, been one talk more. we've been talking, but we couldn't hear you. <laughs> That's, uh, the, one of the things that you can, so in addition to sitting down in a formal way with that exercise of how possible do I think these goals are and what is it that I think makes it impossible or challenging, you can also just simply pay attention to the inner dialogue in your head as you go through your day. And you'll catch, we'll all catch ourselves thinking something like, oh, no, I couldn't do that. Or, well, that would be, I'd love to do that, but. As soon as there's a but, it's followed by one of those limiting beliefs. So those okay. are some easy, easy ways to do that. So if I say, I'd like to do this, but, that the thing that follows the but is, is my limiting belief? It probably, it, it, yeah, it will condition qualified, yes. So it may not be the core belief, but it is linked in somehow. Because usually we say something like, oh, I'd really like to change jobs, but I don't know what I would do, or who would hire me at my age, or I got to make sure it's this close to home because of kids. Like there's all these things, the excuses that we'll come up with. 
give you insights into what's the belief underneath. And it might be, I can't have it all, which I think you mentioned earlier. So, mm-hmm. Okay. So if I'm able to begin to know what what these beliefs are, what do I do about it? Well, that is a great question. And it's actually the reason I got into uh, uh, hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming because they're two of the of, of the wonderful tools out there for changing them. And there are other tools besides that. They just happen to be two of the wonderful ones that I like. And it helps to know just a little bit about how they got encoded in the first place because how we encoded the ones that are going to limit us is the same process for encoding the ones that are going to help us. And one of the biggest ones, repetition. And you probably hear a lot these days about what you're focusing your mind and your attention on is what you get more of. And that's partially because repetition causes us to encode, the brain to encode a belief. So the more we focus on how impossible something is, the more believable that it's impossible becomes. And the more we focus on what we want and are surrounded by images and sayings and pictures and people who are doing what we want, the more repetition for possibility that we get. And also we start to get a really important thing, which is an evidence procedure, because the unconscious needs evidence. And the other way we encode is authority figures. So if, especially if we're hanging around with people who have achieved what we want, the people act as an authority. So basically you have to find some way to get proof of what you want more of in to the unconscious mind. And I'm very, very careful about what movies I watch, what music I listen to. Have you ever just caught yourself humming a piece of a song and you don't know why it's stuck in your head? Absolutely, all the time. Just came out of nowhere? (laughs) It's the same phenomenon for our beliefs. They get hooked onto a loop and they just play we don't know where they came from. So if there's that much going on with TV shows and things like that hooked into the brain that just play, the same thing is happening with our beliefs about something. So especially if I'm feeling fragile. So I've had a moment where I have some money stresses. I cannot, I do not watch anything that has to do with poverty at that time. I only watch or listen to or read things about some form of abundance or having more than enough to get those positive uh, beliefs in there or positive reinforcement in there. And one of the things that you said, okay, (laughs) I thought you were going to add something else. One of the ways the, this is also, I'm going to share two techniques that everyone can just kind of do. And, um, One of them is a stepping stone process. So one of the things that happens with the unconscious is if the goal is too unrealistic, it will dismiss the goal. It'll just bump it right out because it's too implausible. So we often have to step, do stepping stones and just focus on the next stepping stone in front of us. So if somebody has only ever made $25,000, the idea of making a million may be so far ahead that the unconscious can't actually believe it. If they did that little scale, how how possible is a million dollars, making a million dollars this year? If they can't get eight, nine, or ten out of ten on that little, like we just did exercise earlier, then the unconscious doesn't believe that goal is possible, right? So you can't go all the way to it. And that's okay. when, by the way, if anyone's setting a goal, this that exercise of the zero to ten is a good thing to do with your goals, because 
if your goal is not eight and up, you're going to waste your time going after it because the unconscious is going to pull have too many sabotages. The, the goal, the focus would be to get that number up to eight, then go after it. So that was that, that list where sense. we were listing how possible we believe that goal is. Absolutely, it has to be. Okay. There has to be a possibility. So if someone's going from currently making twenty five thousand, and they want to make a million, that may be down at like two out of two out of ten. However, going from twenty five thousand to thirty five thousand may be eight out of ten or nine out of ten. So that would be the first stepping stone. Okay. Right? Because you, you know you could achieve that. That seems possible. So in my work with hypnotherapy and NLP, there's, there's kind of two different ways we work with the beliefs in the unconscious. One is to just outright change them. The other is to work with them and coax them along. You don't always have to get rid of old programming. Sometimes you can just you can trick it and work with it. And so stepping stones are one of the ways to work with what's already there. So if 35,000 feels possible, then from 35,000, what's possible from there? What's the next stepping stone? So, you know, stepping stones across the river. There's a, if we were actually on stepping stones trying to cross the river, there's a distance at which the next stepping stone is too far. If we tried oh, okay. to jump to it, we would miss and we would hit the water, right? Okay. So the way to get across the river is to jump the stones that are the right distance apart for you. It's the same with the goal. So we put small intermediate goals in that act like the stepping stones across the river. And you want them the right distance. So they are a little bit of a stretch, but you know you can land on it and you're not going to end up in the water. Mm. So when a goal is down on that list at like 0 out of 10 or 2 out of 10, going after it is too far of a stepping stone. We believe we're going to hit the water. Okay. Basically. Yeah. So, so what's the next jump you could make that you know you can land on? So that might be thirty-five, might be forty thousand, and then from forty, what do you think you could jump to? And then focus on getting just, just stay focused on your stepping stone. So it's one of those. It's an old adage: think globally, but act locally. Mm-hmm. So you would hold the idea of I'm going to get to a million. I'm, I'm getting to a million. And still work with whatever stepping stone is in front of you. So maybe you go 35 and then you go 50 and then you go 100 and then 200,000 and then keep working your way up rather than trying to jump all the way. Yeah, it's a good analogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if the self-esteem filters say anything like, I don't deserve a million, you're going to land in the water. Mm-hmm. If the belief is it's too it's impossible to jump from twenty five thousand all the way to the million, or that's a belief, then you're going to land in the water. So it's work with whatever is going to keep you on the stones as you're jumping across to that goal. Oh, I know this is possible. I know I could do this. Jump to that one, then jump to the next one. Now that doesn't mean <laughs> that you don't eventually at some time, point have to clean up self esteem filter. You may have to still do that. But you can jump small steps as you're cleaning up the self-esteem filter. You don't have to stop working on a goal until those pieces get cleaned up. Okay. Um, so a self-esteem filter, what are we talking about there? And, and and how would you do that? Self-esteem is a filter. is just the beliefs that we have about who we are. And so... We were talking about earlier that anything that we, any goals we work on are going to come through our beliefs about us as a person. 
Identity would be another term that sometimes people use. It's our self-concepts. It's who we are. Everything in our life is going to come through how deserving we feel we are for that thing or capable we think we are for that thing. So that's a process as well. And again, it's about creating a new uh, a new evidence procedure. And sometimes it's just an acceptance of this is the way we are. And, you know, again, there's limited beliefs. And they came from a whole variety of places. Uh, do we have time for an example before we take our next break? Um, yeah, I think we do. Okay. We've got so, a few minutes here. Okay. I, one example that I use often is, say you have a newborn baby, a few days old, laying on the laying in the carrier on the table. Mm-hmm. And out of the blue, baby notices that it's cold, you know, because it's a lot colder in the room than it was in the uh, tummy a few days earlier. So baby starts to cry because baby's cold. At the moment baby starts to cry, his, his or her sibling falls down the stairs, the doorbell rings, the pot on the stove over boils, and the phone starts to ring. And mom glances over at baby, sees baby is fine, deals with sibling that ran, you know, came, fell down the stairs, turns the pot on the stove off, whatever, and then comes back two minutes later to pick up the baby that's been crying because he or she is cold. So mom responded to a whole bunch of things that were going on in the environment, did what a good mom would do, checked baby, baby's fine, dealt with the other more, you know, emergency, like, you know, was a sibling that fell down the stairs, hurt seriously. Right. And then addressed baby. But in that two minutes that baby was feeling cold, something in his or her mind went, my needs don't get met. Click. And it clicked in, and yes, they can click in that young. In fact, the majority of them click in and solidify before age seven. And then baby grows up going through life saying, my needs don't get met, and then creates evidence and proof, my needs don't get met, my needs don't get met. So that would be an example of a self-esteem filter. Okay. Okay. Um, So that's operating at the same time as as these other... um, as these other beliefs as well. So it's not it's part of that 90 it's part of that 90% of the iceberg that's operating outside of awareness. Most of us wouldn't know, don't always know all the things that we think about ourselves consciously till we start digging them out, go on personal growth and development things and then we go, "Oh, yeah, actually I do believe that." We're not they're not always in our face consciously. So we're talking about um I can I can be limited financially by what I believe about myself, but I could also be limited financially because of what I believe about money, but but both of those things could working together. Absolutely. And actually I we can be limited or we are limited not just in money, but everything in our lives by what we believe about ourselves. That's true of relationships, it's true of health, it's true of um hobbies and interests. Sports, uh, sports performance, any of those things is by what we think about ourselves and by what we think about the world or that particular area, arena, like money, what we believe about relationships, what we believe about health, what we believe about homes, whatever it happens to be. Right. So I'm um, going back just a little bit. I'm also thinking about, you know, if we're, we're influenced so easily um, as a child, and then 
Uh, I'm also thinking back about the the influence of the media. Um, you know where the where the media is um, can certainly make you afraid or make you think that you don't have that that secret and you know all of those fears that people have that they're not doing it right. Um, you know the media maybe those fears came from childhood, but the media can um, then when they hear those um, those things on the media, it, it justifies it or it backs up what the fear that they already have. Absolutely. Reinforces, I think, is, yeah. is what you were, yeah, the word you were looking for. It reinforces the fear that we already have. And this is a more modern phenomenon, which is we can get, and, you know, the language depends on, on kind of schools of thought. Some people would say imprinted. Some people say encoded. Some people say learned messages or beliefs. But they can happen from TV, music, books, video games, Internet. And that's a more modern phenomenon that was never in the mass consciousness in the past. And now it's a normal thing. We have we have the TV on, the radio on. We have billboards that we drive by every day. And even though we may consciously not notice it, it's part of that 2 million bits of information that you're, you do take in even though you don't consciously pay attention to it, unconsciously, you know it's there or it gets picked up, right? So yes, we're and the example around that that I give all the time is blue cheese. Now, I never, I was okay with blue cheese. It wasn't my favorite. It's very strong. And then I watched a documentary on the old traditional way to make blue cheese, do you know how they make the blue cheese traditionally? No. no. It was maggots burrowing <laughs> through the cheese. So after watching this documentary and them videoing and the close-up picture of the maggots burrowing through the cheese and the waste product from the maggot is the blue cheese. Oh, dear. Do you think I can eat blue cheese ever in my life since then? Well, you may have ruined it for me, too. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, you didn't see the... I can still see the visual. I think of that movie, and I can see the image of those maggots burrowing through the cheese. Oh, so that God. kind of thing can... This is a new phenomenon in the modern era, since TV became, you know, came into our world, that we didn't have before. So we can... And I'm, I'm not sure when people try and tell us that watching TV on violence doesn't escalate violence in the world. I'm not sure what they're basing that on, because... Yes, we can True. imprint. We can, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> so and everybody they, listening now is going to cringe at blue cheese. Ew. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Power of um, suggestion. Yeah, but I know that, you know, often you do, I can catch myself sometimes um, dreaming about a theme from something I've watched before I went to bed, too. You know, so. Yes, and, and that actually might be a different phenomenon, which is a little bit off of our, but it's, there's a part of, actually, it's a good point to bring in. I hadn't actually uh, thought about it, talking about it. But right, whatever we do right before we go to sleep. So when we go to sleep, we have to go through hypnosis to fall asleep and through hypnosis to wake back up again. So it's a very important time because the mind is more open and more uh, accessible. So whatever whatever we're thinking about or doing or reading is more likely to go in unfiltered and stay in. So you want to be really careful what you're reading and watching and listening to right before you fall asleep because there's three levels of dreaming. And the first level is wishful thinking dreaming, 
which is your mind will take anything that you were doing right before you fall asleep, pull it into the sleep, and your unconscious will start working on how to get it for you. Okay. So, yeah, so if you were thinking or reading or watching really negative stuff right before you fall asleep, your unconscious is going to work on how to get you more negative stuff. So that might be a good time to actually read a biography on somebody who, you know, made their wealth or uh, shared secrets of money making or whatever. So then your unconscious pulls that in and finds ways to make you financial resources while you're sleeping. That'd be a yeah. an effective okay, well, use. <laughs> there's a good. And then, for us. yeah. And then the part where you're you are that you remember is usually the third stage, which is venting dreaming, which the unconscious is actually getting rid of stuff. And it's interesting because those dreams can be very nightmare-like and people often think something's wrong with them because they're having nightmares when it's actually a good thing the unconscious is getting rid of things it no longer wants or needs. So that's kind of interesting. So only only how to make money books right before you go to sleep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, or we're going to go to break now. Um, we're going to go to break now, Renata, and um, and we'll speak more about this when we come back. Sounds good. a contribution that you dream of making in society planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate step right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you tune in for step right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at a to zen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Step Right with Lynn. Uh, Renata Donovan is my guest today, and she's been sharing with us a bit about how our beliefs uh, and attitudes that we may have, uh, we may not even be aware of where some of um, our training, even you know, things that were repeated uh, to us when we were children even, um, we think that we've grown past those, I think, in a lot of cases, but um, but sometimes they're still affecting us. Uh, so if you have questions, uh, please join us on the chat room or give us a call, uh, and uh, uh, and we'd be glad to uh, to deal with your questions and comments on the show. Um, so Renata, we hear a lot about affirmations uh, these days. Um, is that a good way to change these uh, these limiting beliefs? I always a qualified yes, sort of. So one of the problems is not, sort of because one of the problems is the way affirmations are currently taught is not effective. But I will tell you how to make them effective. So 
there's a part of the mind, so there's the conscious mind, the unconscious, and then there's what's called the critical zone or critical area. And that area is like a, a, a bouncer at a door that decides whether or not you're going to be admitted. And it doesn't decide whether the new message coming in is admitted by whether that message is good or bad, right or wrong, but by whether it matches what we're already believing. And if it doesn't match, it bumps it out. If it does match, it lets it in to reinforce, as we were talking about earlier. The problem is we're usually using an affirmation because we don't have that thing. So if anybody's listening been using affirmations, you can know how long you use them and it doesn't seem to make much difference because most of them are being bumped out. So the way to make them effective is you have to get past that doorman, basically. And that's part of what the hypnotic state does is it allows us to kind of bypass that bouncer and allow those affirmations to go all the way in. And so the, one of the ways to do that is to actually do it right before you're falling asleep, the thing we were talking about just a few moments ago, and do them as you're falling asleep and do them as you're waking up. Another is if you want to do them in the middle of the day, just get into a relaxed state. So if you have 10 or 15 minutes, maybe dinner's cooking, and you don't, you know, you just want to take a break, just do some deep breathing and do your affirmations in your meditation or in a relaxed state. Another way you can do it is visualizing. So actually using, sorry, <clears throat> pictures in your head, like a movie that you create in your head of the goal already achieved. Now, if you do that, there's a few things you really want to ensure. One is that you use all of the senses. So it's as if you're living it, as if it's real. So you can feel it, smell it, taste it, hear it, see it. How is your life different now that you have this goal? And that's a really big thing to know because um, that becomes an evidence procedure that you've achieved it. And uh, so how is it different? What's missing that you currently have? What do you have that currently missing? So what's in your life that you never had before and what's out of your life? I know one of the things that it will be out of my life is cleaning my own house. I will have a housekeeper. <laughs> that would be an example of what would be different for me. So, um, that, uh, so those kinds of things. But it also might be stress, you know, how good it feels when all of your bills are paid and your kids have a college fund and there's enough for retirement and you could buy a reliable car so you feel secure. So that feeling of security might be the thing that's now present. Right. That sort of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so you're talking about these techniques of how to do it. We have a question from, um, from a caller here, um, and she asks, how long does it take to change your mind and think differently about money? That is a great question because... There is a huge misconception out in the world that it's being perpetuated by a lot of the personal growth folks. And that's this idea that it takes 21 days to break a habit. That is not true. I don't know where that came from. The actual scientific research says average, so that means some are faster and some are shorter, or longer, sorry, some are, some we can do, it takes less time and some take more time, but the average is 66 days. Oh, wow. Not okay. 21. <laughs> so I don't know where the 21 came from. But if you have ever changed a habit or a behavior in your life, you'll know that, yeah, two or three months is kind of how long it took you to get consistent at it. There's some really interesting research that came out of NASA 
they put they wanted to put the astronauts that were going into space into distress so they could see how they would respond in space because let's face it there's distress when you're in a spaceship so they had them put on yeah, they had them put on concave glasses that flipped the world upside down and so it meant that you know their table was on the ceiling and the ceiling was on the floor and they were trying to navigate this world and they had to oh wear my. the glasses 24/7 and what they discovered is 24-7 wearing those glasses, at the end of 30 days, the brain had built a new pathway and spontaneously flipped the signal so it was upside, it was right side up, even when they were wearing the glasses. Well, NASA never expected this. This was an unexpected piece of neuroscience. And so then they started to play. Well, what happens if you take the glasses off at day 10? What happens if you take the glasses off at day 15? What happens if you take them off at whatever? And what okay. they discovered is whenever they took the glasses off, it was 30 days from when the glasses went back on. So as soon as you, they stopped, it's the brain started over from scratch. So the problem for most of us, and I think that's why it's probably 66 days on average, is most of us are not consistent enough to go 30 days without a break, without missing mm. a day. Right. right. So if you can go 30 days without missing uh, uh, anything, you have a good chance of having things being re changed within those 30 days. However, the beliefs about money, which was a great question, may not be one belief. It may be yeah. 10 beliefs working together, some of them about ourselves, some about the world, some of them are fears. I mean, people do have fears of rejection. If I make a lot of money, my friends won't want to be with me anymore, right, or whatever. Mm-hmm. People will only want me for my money. Every one of those will take 30 days. Okay, Um, and if I'm not very patient and I want to work on everything all at once, how's that going to work? They should make an appointment with me and come for a session because it speeds it up. (laughs) Right, that's the only way to speed it up. Well, you know, I always say the, the techniques we've been talking about are what I slang refers to as manual techniques, the techniques that you can do on your own, and they all work. I mean, that's how we've changed behavior. But the reason I got involved in hypnosis and NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, was because I did notice that even with all of those manual techniques, some of them took years, years and years. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for processes that would change them faster. And so using the, the NLP techniques and the hypnosis state, hypnotic state deliberately does create change faster. It kind of wipes out that stocking. So <laughs> I mm-hmm. sort of apologize. I hadn't actually expected to go, well, come and see me. But uh, <laughs> hypno- that's what hypnosis and NLP do. That's why all of us who are in it are so passionate about how fast it makes the brain change. And because we use, we go right into the unconscious state and change them at that source. So if folks want to use that state themselves, you can learn self-hypnosis. You can get hypnosis CDs that that help you with that sort of thing. And of that being said, there are still some beliefs that I call my peeps who are hypnotists and say, found another one, let's do an exchange, get this out of my head. Because there are certain techniques it's just very hard to do on yourself. And I'm, I'm out there. In fact, um, Easter weekend, one of my peepettes were getting together. I, I get rid of her limiting beliefs and she gets rid of mine. So... Oh, that's great. That works well. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned CDs. I know you've had a lot of things going on. I think you've had a, a couple of new CDs released. Um, could you tell us a bit about those? 
I do. I have one on, and I will actually at some point be making one on prosperity. Maybe we should do it together, Lynn. That'd be awesome. Cool. And yeah, it'd be fun. And one is called Inner Stillness, and that's one that quiets all the inner dialogue, and it has some emotional release techniques in the CD, so it releases blocked emotions. And a lot of our fears, whether it's having a great relationship or our health or money, have blocked fears. I think you actually mentioned the fear of certain things earlier. And then the other one is a quit smoking CD, so Emerge mm-hmm. to a Smoke for You. So there is a debate about whether you can quit smoking solely from a CD. Some people can, some people can't. So it's my qualifier. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. And they're available for download on my website. And if anyone listening is interested, if they put in the code awesome underscore offer underscore Renata, R-E-N-A-T-E, uh, they can get the CDs, the download for $10. They're normally nineteen ninety five. So because they were listening today, awesome underscore offer underscore Renata, and you can have it for $10. Perfect. And um, if if people have questions, want to learn more, um, how can they reach you? They can reach me through my website, uh, which is also where the CDs are, which is emergencehypnotherapy.com. And there is a contact us box on the contact, our box for emailing me directly on the contact us page. Or they can just call me at 226-789-8983. That's great. Um, just take, like to take a couple of minutes now here to uh, remind people that uh, next week we have uh, our guest will be Samantha Piercy, uh, and the show is entitled "Why Saving Money Is Not the Key to Retirement." Uh, she teaches that traditional retirement teaching is financially impossible for most people. Uh, which causes undue stress while people attempt to get a good return on investment, save more, cut back spending, reduce fees, and pay less interest, and this actually sabotages results. She says the real-life answer is um, is so simple it can be learned by young children, yet it is rare, rarely acknowledged. Um, she says the secret is... Um, Anyway, she's going to share that secret next week. We're running out of time. Thank you, Renata, for being our guest here today on Step Right with Lynn and sharing your insights. Thank Um, you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Remember, we welcome your comments, uh, so please feel free to... um, to comment at stepright at lynn or lynn at stepright.ca. That's the email address. I'd love to send you a, a copy of that book. Uh, and Lolas, thank you for your question. Please email me so that I have your address and can send you a copy of that book. Um, this has been Lynn Wedham and Renata Donovan on Step Right with Lynn. Until next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and your community. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham.